Gimme head with hair, long beautiful hair, shining, gleaming, steaming, flaxing, waxing. Of Black Woman Red State, the podcast about campaigning for office as a black woman in a red state, the podcast that talks about policy analysis and promoting and drafting and getting laws passed in red state legislative environments. And of course, the intersection of everything, Broadway musical theater. So let's get started. On this episode, which as you can tell is entitled, Does Your Hair Grow? I want to explore several things. First of all, that statement was actually made to me or that question was actually posed to me on the floor of the legislature inside the chamber by one of my colleagues. And it sounds a little bit ridiculous on the surface, but as I did with the last episode of the podcast, I want to talk a little bit about where that might have come from. Another added feature of this episode of the podcast, which is something I'd actually looked forward to doing through the podcast and in person, is reading a law that came from a bill that was discussed and passed while I was a member of the legislature. One of my hopes, particularly in this environment, the national political environment, with so many voices and so many sources of information as it relates to politics and policy, is to educate as many individuals as possible, people who are interested in advocacy in particular, on how to go to source documents, how to read the bills, so that let's say they're calling their representative or their state senator or their US representative or US senator or someone in the executive branch. They can begin to speak knowledgeably and confidently about the bill, the bills themselves. So let's start with the statement. As I mentioned earlier, this is something that someone actually said to me. And for you black women in red states, you we uh, even had something in the national news recently, uh, an unfortunate comment that a former Fox News personality made about one of our most esteemed members of the United States Congress, Representative Maxine Waters of California, making a comment about her hair. He said to me, sort of cocked his head to the side, does your head hair grow? And I believe that this must have been a sincere question. Now, for those of you who haven't taken a look at the Facebook page, which thank you very much, Liz, it is up and running, or even the picture that comes with the podcast, I choose to wear my hair short in a natural style. 
When I say natural, it's a style that my hair mostly grows out of my scalp as, with some professional help from licensed hair care professionals here in the state of Nebraska to keep it healthy and fashionable and manageable for a busy schedule. So I do not choose to wear extensions or wigs or weaves, never say never, as they say, or or braids or anything like that. Never say never to any of those things. I enjoy getting ready quickly in the morning and so far so good. I, the kinds of fashion I wear most of the time supports a very kind of a casual look. Dress it up or down. It's my hair. So when my colleague said this, I, I chuckled to myself. I didn't take it as an insult. I thought to myself, this person must have a sincere concern about my health. That's my was my first response. But then, of course, like a lot of things, as I started to think about it and peel back layers, I thought to myself, well, good grief, I am a human being. Of course my hair grows. I don't have alopecia. I don't have any sort of condition that would cause it not to grow. I am a person, my hair grows. So uh, I didn't respond in an angry fashion. And when I said to my colleague, yes, my hair does grow, I choose to style it this way. He seemed somewhat chagrined and embarrassed and sort of steeled himself to be teased about it. And he understood immediately that he probably shouldn't have said that out loud. Perhaps he'd have, if he had been a more mature person, this person happens to be young, he would have known, in general, you don't ask questions about women's appearance. You never ask them if they're pregnant or expecting a baby. You don't ask them, according to Miss Manners, you're never supposed to mention something to someone that they cannot immediately take care of. In With a quick trip, perhaps, to another room, to a private area, if the person cannot fix it, one is not supposed to mention it. So who knows? Another aspect of this is something I have observed in my many very fortunate decades on this planet. Growing up in the United States, growing up in a red state, in a city that is racially, ethnically diverse and very segregated. So as many of my listeners can understand, if you've been the first or the only in your group, whether that's in your class in elementary school, junior high, high school, university, the only black person or person of color in your club or in your office, you can understand that maybe people have asked you questions that they really know the answer to, but you're the only person of color they know. So they're going to ask you that question. 
Anyway, back to hair. I explained to my colleague that my hair indeed does grow and that I chose to style it that way. And that was the end of our conversation. Now, clearly based on the fact that I have this as an episode for a podcast, it was not the end of my consideration of that question because what it also indicates is that this person doesn't really have to know that much about African-American hair or hair in general. I doubt very seriously that he's asked this of women who happen to have European hair. So the idea that being a person who is the only or the first continually puts you in a position of being other or being queried was something else that was brought to fore, brought to bear during and after this conversation, which is why we have the episode. And if you'd like to help me out in this discussion, I know there were lots of things that got tweeted and posted and written right after the conversation happened around Representative Waters, uh, the comment that was made about her hair. Um, I would welcome that because this is ideally a dialogue and stay tuned. I won't always be the only voice that you hear on the podcast. I've got some ideas and have spoken to different friends and associates about being guests on the podcast. So it will sound more like a conversation. So more about hair. In addition to the comment, which really I bore no consequences. This is not a person that I report to, reported to in any way. It was just another one of those things that I would face in this context and a lot of other contexts. What I would like to talk about, one of something that I enjoy and made my time as a legislature a great learning experience is a bill that became a law about hair. And let me share it with you. It is a bill brought by a colleague that I didn't get to know very well. She was there for a very short time, but interestingly, she showed up with, this is part of her package, and I could speculate on why the bill was was introduced by her, but it would be only speculation. And also, I am a co-sponsor of this bill. So on the whole, I supported the bill. Let me read to you the bill proposal language. In the state of Nebraska, it's very easy to look up laws through the Nebraska legislative website. And it's also relatively easy to look up the final versions of bill proposals, sometimes the history of the floor debate, what was recorded during the committee hearing on the bill. 
What I am going to read to you is language from the final version of the bill proposal that became law in the state of Nebraska, and it relates to hair. It says, a bill for an act relating to the cosmetology, electrology, aesthetics, nail technology, and body art practice act. In Nebraska, that's this is basically describing the section of the law where we legislate and regulate hair. It goes on to mention specific sections of this law that this bill proposal is going to amend or change. It also says it offers a definition of a term. Definitions are very, very important in the law because that's who the law will apply to, not so much in terms of who will be impacted by it, but what it means in plain language if it needs to be interpreted in a court of law or for purposes of doing business or purposes of awarding a tax benefit or any other benefit through the government or through the courts. Defines a term. It offers, the main thing it did was offer an exemption to certain persons for credentialing requirements. The state where I live is what is known as a licensure state. And what that means is that in order to practice, particularly in areas of health care, but also in areas related to building construction, architecture, engineering, you must be licensed and keep up with your education in order to practice or work in these areas. And so I will read to you the underlined version on this piece of paper, and I'm going to attempt to link this to the Facebook page where you can read it for yourself. Here's what we did. Section three is the underlined section. That's That's how you know it's the part that's being changed in our statute per this bill proposal. Natural hair braiding means the twisting, wrapping, weaving, extending, locking, or braiding of hair by hand or with mechanical devices such as clips, combs, crochet hooks, curlers, curling irons, hairpins, rollers, scissors, blunt-tipped needles, thread, and hair binders. Part two, natural hair braiding includes A, the use of natural or synthetic hair extensions, natural or synthetic hair fibers, decorative beads, and other hair accessories. B, minor trimming of natural hair or hair extensions incidental to twisting, wrapping, weaving, extending, locking, or braiding hair. And C, the use of topical agents, such as conditioners, gels, moisturizers, oils, pomades, and shampoos, 
in conjunction with hair braiding and the making of wigs for natural hair, natural fibers, synthetic fibers, and hair extensions. Third part, natural hair braiding does not include, very important to say, specifically in law, what it, this does not apply to. It does not include the application of dyes, reactive chemicals, or other preparations to alter the color of hair or to straighten, curl, or alter the structure of hair or the use of chemical hair joining agents such as synthetic tape, keratin bonds, or fusion bonds. Isn't that exciting? Who else out there loves to analyze policy? I know, there have to be a couple of you out there. When I read this, I had to recall a conversation that I had with my hairstylist who since retired asking me to somehow get word to or to advocate on behalf of salon owners, African-American salon owners, so that they might be able to have people come in and do African braiding as a way to expand their business. When I mentioned this, and I have to apologize, I mentioned this to a person who had a regulatory administrative role within the uh, Health and Human Services Agency. And what she said to me as politely as she could, it was in a social setting that as far as the state of Nebraska was concerned, hair was hair. And what I took from that is that the minute you decide, this is my own interpretation, the minute you decide that you're going to start talking about African-American hair and regulating it differently from everybody else's hair, you were entering into an area of controversy and an area that a primarily white staff, political figures, decision makers, cosmetology community, and lobbyists didn't really want to touch. So I found it interesting that probably 15 years later, the conversation had continued. Many of my friends who did get their hair braided, let's say they're getting their hair braided so they can travel and not have to worry about it, or they're getting their child's hair braided for the summer so that they can jump in and out of the swimming pool or play and not have to start all over again. Mom or auntie or grandma doesn't have to start all over again with the hair while usually the little girl is being a little girl and having fun. So it was interesting to me that 15 years later, it was a conversation that the body, the legislature, could have as a whole. There were only two members of African-American members of the legislature when I was there, the whole time I was there. When this bill came across for our consideration, the other member is a longtime member who happened to have had his professional career as a barber. And he became a co-sponsor, as did I. What 
we did not discuss, as I recall, of course you can look up the transcript, is the fact that when I did my own, let's just say, very informal polling among hair care professionals that I know, it was really about 50-50 as to whether or not this would be a good thing for entrepreneurial hair salon owners who are African-American women by and large, or if this would cause some kind of competition, or just as I mentioned in the section of the law, are people going to expand their uh, scope of practice and just, oh, well, it says I can cut a little bit of hair. Why don't I just cut a little bit more? And taking liberties with the licensure, recognizing that a lot of people don't recognize how narrowly they are licensed. So that didn't come up. I take responsibility now for not bringing it up. What I can recall is that there were some other priorities that we were talking about talking about in the legislature and we were in a good place to move the bill forward. I didn't take too much time on the microphone to second guess the why this particular senator was bringing it. If I had to reflect upon it, I would say she definitely had, let's just describe it as a pro-business point of view. And as you may be aware, the African-American community is pretty well poised in the camp of the Democratic Party as of right now. Uh, They're not, certainly not anti-business, but if I had to hazard a guess, not wanting to be too accusatory, I would guess that the sponsor, along with a couple of other co-sponsors, might have been interested in having some talking points with an African-American audience, an African-American entrepreneurial audience, perhaps a growing immigrant community. Nebraska is very fortunate to have a growing uh, immigrant refugee community from uh, Sudan, now the country now known as South Sudan, even had a polling place here in Nebraska when they created their uh, country a few years back. Uh, Somali Bantu. I have some friends who are Somali Bantu immigrant refugees, and they are a wonderful, close family. Who knows? I did not ask. We shall see what the impact of this bill proposal will be. Now, see, isn't that a lot of fun to think about bills and why they're proposed and what their impact is? and how the impact might be uh, commercial in terms of putting money in uh, women's pockets and having them grow business and support their families. Uh, The influence might also be a political one to maybe grow or or create a a new base of support for a particular political point of view. This is something I do sometimes even just watching television. But anyway, I enjoy it. I hope you do too. What I'm going to do is 
post this on the Black Woman Red State Facebook page, which is up and running, so that you can read it and enjoy it for yourself. You can also read it. It's now in the Nebraska, Neb, Nebraska Revived Statute, Section 38-1042.01, Natural Hair Braiding Defined. Thank you for listening today. Uh, I look forward to recording more podcasts. Perhaps you want to share some ideas that you have based on, well, I learned about policy analysis and wouldn't it be fun to analyze another kind of a bill? If you want to leave that information on the Facebook page, I would welcome it. Thank you again for joining me on Black Woman Red State. Goodbye. Jimmy, head with hair. Long-